Team Awesome is back! That's right, Tangle Talk with Team Awesome is back, or more specifically, story time with Team Awesome. And tonight <laughs> we're going to be covering Rapunzel and the Vanishing Village. But before we get to that, um, first of all, I apologize that this is so late. Um, writing up the summary for the book took me like a thousand years. Obviously, it took me like a month. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, Issue number two of Tangled, I'm sorry, issue number three of Tangled series comic hair now came out on June 5th. It's the last of the standard comics. Like there's not supposed to be any more series after this, but there is going to be a special coming out in August that has all of the comics that were released exclusively in Tangled series magazine, which is no longer in publication because I guess it wasn't popular enough. So they quit after five issues, <sighs> whatever. Jerks. I was so mad. I know I'm bitter. <laughs> I'm bitter. I know that, like, I found out about the magazine in the first place because Kate told me about it, and she told me about it because she had been interviewed to be in it, and obviously that interview never got published, so I'm like, mm, I know we're missing stuff. Mm -hmm. so, At least right. we got Zach's interview. That was a good, good little yeah, interview. Yeah, that was a good one, yes. Okay, so June 24th marks the one-year anniversary of Season 2 airing with Beyond the Corona Walls, so, like, Season 2 has been out for a year now, guys, and... Like, not coincidentally, June 30th, which, if things go as hoped, then you'll be hearing this on June 30th, but it might be on July 1st, so who knows? It might be but July 1st. It might be July 1st. <laughs> so, uh, but June 30th is Tangled Talk's one-year anniversary, and this is not a coincidence because we started right after season two started. Mm -hmm. um, James Monroe Iglehart has been cast as Philoctetes in the Broadway adaptation of Disney's Hercules, which is super cool, especially considering that... Maybe a week before there was that rumor about the live action movie, mm -hmm. like, and these people came up with like a fake cast and everything and people bought it and I was one of them and I was questioning their judgment on casting some of these people. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but there's actually going to be a Broadway adaptation and, you know, I'm like all done with live action movies, all things considered, like Disney needs to stop remaking their live action movies, but if they want to adapt it for Broadway, I am all over that, mm -hmm. like straight up. Um... And speaking of James, on June 26th, Steve Bloom made a tweet that heavily implied that Lance will be getting an emotional solo in season three. Ooh. So speculation's running wild now. <laughs> Please be good. Please don't be, be sad. <laughs> Please. I also, can't take like it. people have pointed out many times that like anytime somebody has a solo, something bad happens. <laughs> And a lot of the people who get solos that then turn around and betray Rapunzel or have just replayed, betrayed Rapunzel and then had a solo. So it's like, hmm. Lance, hmm. you better not. Lance, what are you up to, boy? Um, so, yeah, that is going to be, you know, that's the, the news we've got right now. We still have no word on when season three is going to begin airing. I still anticipate it's going to be months before we see anything from that. Um, and we don't have even, like, the slightest clue. It's not like... Maybe then, maybe now, but no, we just, we have no idea when it's going to air. It's only um, been what, like two? Two months. Two months. Two months. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it hasn't been that long for a hiatus, especially considering the season, between season one and season two was like five and a half months. I'm like, so. it's probably been like four months, right? No, no. <laughs> I swear, you never know how long anything has taken. <laughs> My bad. Like, a week into the hiatus, you're like, oh, it's been five months, hasn't it? Hey, I like, was I was right. <laughs> the five months and thing. like a week after that, you're all like, what? It's been two days. What are you talking about? <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> Keeps me on my toes. I don't know what day it is. <laughs> okay. 
So, uh, yeah, we're, of course, we will always keep you guys posted when we know when that kind of stuff is happening. Um, always, always, because it's so important for this fandom. It really, really is. Mm-hmm. But moving on with what we are talking about this time around, it's going to be Rapunzel and the Vanishing Village by Layla Howland. If you click on the link below, you will be able to read along on my blog. Um, so that's going to be fun times. Oh, and that obviously that goes for people on YouTube. Um, I know that we have multiple platforms now, but anytime we talk about links and stuff, it's it's our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, if you ever wonder about that, if you're listening on another platform, if you want to go over to YouTube and check us out, Tangled Talk at, you, on, at YouTube, um, then, yeah, that's where you find us if you want to click on all the links we're always talking about. <laughs> okay. Rapunzel and the Vanishing Village. As with Lost Lagoon, this book has three parts, 37 chapters instead of the 38 that Lost Lagoon has, and each chapter skips between points of view. Rapunzel, Cassandra, and now Eugene as well. So, yay. I mean, honestly, Eugene having a point of view made a huge difference in this book. Mm -hmm. Like, straight up going through um, Lost Lagoon for the summary this time around, like the last podcast, it was hard. It was (laughs) so hard. And then this time around, I was like halfway through the book. And I was like, no, that part was easy. I mean, this is fun. I like reading this. <laughs> so it's amazing what a difference it makes. So our story begins the evening that the intrepid group had left Corona. So before the start of season two, which begins just under a week after they left Corona. So this takes place immediately after, like the same night that they left Corona mm-hmm. when his books. Um, Rapunzel is in the process of drawing a group picture of everyone because the light is perfect and she intends to add herself later. Cassandra wants everyone to hurry along because she's planned the itinerary for the trip and doesn't want to take too many side trips or delays. She's taking her job very seriously as Rapunzel's protector to the point where she's not particularly inclined to let Rapunzel do anything despite the fact that she wants to help. On the road, Eugene is reading from the Tales of Flanagan Rider to everyone while they travel. It's, you know what? I just, okay, having just read this book and reading this now, he's reading to everybody from this book and yet he never pulled out his copy of the book as evidence in anything. Did something happen to the book that I don't remember? Like, yes, yes, no, something did happen. Cassandra uses it to fix the wagon. That's right. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. He might, that might even be in the, the summary that I wrote. Who knows? But no, yeah. So what happens is Cassandra uses his book to fix the caravan, and that's why he doesn't have his copy of the book available. Okay, I, I feel better. <laughs> On the road, Eugene is reading from the Tales of Flanagan Rider to everyone while they travel. It is revealed that the book the book's author is just called The Author, intending to add mystery to the writings. We also learn of the phrase, the journey makes me stronger, braver, truer, which is something Eugene both loves and has tried to live by. But the journey is interrupted, I'm sorry, the story is interrupted by one of the caravan wheels coming loose. Cassandra wants to fix it herself but anyone ex- and won't accept help from Eugene or anyone else for that matter. She won't even listen to his advice and expertise as someone who spent the majority of his life on the road. Things are all the more urgent for Eugene, for her, because Owl informs her that bad weather is coming. Cass manages to fix the wheel using Eugene's book, there we go, as <laughs> leverage, to set the coupling straight. But it won't get, but she won't give him credit for her idea in the first place, not to use his book specifically, but to get a couple of inches of leverage in order to make the peg fit back in the hole. With the wheel fixed, they get back on the road to their first destination for the night, Deep Canyon. Lance is making dinner while Cassandra criticizes the herbs and hookfoot hook foot picked for the stew, cautioning everyone that they might be poisonous, they were wild chives. And Rapunzel is trying to add herself to the portrait she drew earlier, but you can't seem to get it right. She feels like she's drawing herself too stiffly. Just as Eugene and Cassandra convince her to give it another shot the next day, the rain sets in. Cassandra delegates the tasks and gives Eugene dish duty, which annoys him. She doesn't seem very inclined to let him do anything overtly useful. 
but at least he managed to gather Rapunzel's art supplies before the rain got too hard. Unfortunately, both Eugene and Rapunzel have a rough night's sleep. Eugene because Lance snores, and Rapunzel because the caravan roof leaks. I mean, it's a brand new caravan, isn't it? Why does the roof leak? Really <laughs> I mean, it hasn't fallen off one cliff yet. Come on. Caravan is like, the strongest right? and yet the weakest thing in the entire show. <laughs> it really is. My gosh. <sighs> She feels like this is a bad start to their trip is a bad omen, but he convinces her that some minor troubles just adds color and flavor to the story they'll tell later and promises to fix the roof. As everyone rises for the day, Lance suggests that they stop in on Pearly Pearlson or Grandma Pearl, an old ex-thief friend of his. Pearly is a little old lady who runs a provision shop on the road between Corona and Varderos. She's quite the character, calling Lance Fancy Lancy and taking a shine to Eugene's good looks. She suggests that they go catch fish for supper that night and she'll cook them up a good dinner. The whole group heads down to the nearby creek and waterfall and after a swim, they set about catching fish. While they're fishing, Lance suggests Eugene continue the Flynn Rider story he's been telling them the day before, but he doesn't get very far before Cassandra recognizes the name of Flynn Rider's hometown, Harmony Glen. Harmony Glen, it turns out, is a real town, or was, since it's not on any modern maps, where the author lived, and he based Flanagan's home base off of it. It turns out, if it still exists, it's only about five miles from where they are, but Cassandra protests making a detour to find out if it's still there, and Rapunzel is forced to agree. That is, until Pearlie tells them more about it at dinner. She explains that it was beautiful and exciting, a real crossroads of culture, but also lawless with no leader. When a flood came, it was wiped out because there was no one there to give direction and prevent catastrophe. After hearing about the mystery of his disappearance, Cassandra decides that they can afford the detour since it's not that far. They arrive at the giant wall surrounding Harmony Glen the next morning. Oh, another thing that really caught me off this time around is like, of course Rapunzel wants to help. This entire place is walled in. She has this thing against walls, mm -hmm. so of course she wants to help. They arrive at the giant wall surrounding Harmony Glen the next morning. The town is lively and friendly, picturesque. It seems absolutely perfect and even seems immune to the rainy weather that they encountered outside the wall. All the villagers wear the same cornflower blue fabric with their clothes and everyone is cheerful. A little girl named Daphne leads them to the town square so they can meet with and introduce themselves to the town's leaders. There's a village council made up of Abigail, Martina, and Alfonso and the whole thing is headed by a man named Joaquin. As they introduce themselves, Joaquin notices an uncanny res resemblance between Eugene, who he knows used to be a thief, the thief Flynn Rider, and the storybook hero himself. There's even a statue in honor of the book hero in the town square. Joaquin invites them to stay until the Flynn Flynnigan Rider Festival in a few days, and they agree despite Cassandra's misgivings. Eugene allows Joaquin to show them around, and he's delighted to see this place of his childhood imaginings brought to life. Not only is Flanagan Ryder revered here, but it's clear that the author used a lot of his hometown as his inspiration in his writings. Joaquin shows him the Harmony Bog, which was the author's inspiration for a locale called the Great Bog. I think it's called the Great Bog for the rest of the book. I think so. I mean, just now reading this again, I'm like, oh yeah, they just called it the Great Bog for the whole rest of the book, even <laughs> though it was specifically Harmony Bog. <laughs> He allows Eugene to swing from the vines in it, which thrills Eugene to his core. Joaquin also notes that the author is saying only the now is real, and for the life of him, Eugene can't remember that quote, even though he's read all of the books more than once. Some children spot Eugene swinging and mistake him for Flanagan Rider, which gives Joaquin the idea to invite him to play the hero in the town's play. It's a role that Joaquin himself was going to fill, so Eugene wouldn't be taking the part from some unsuspecting actor. Filled, thrilled... I read a wrong word. <laughs> Thrilled to finally have a purpose that isn't dish duty, Eugene accepts the part, thus cementing the group's stay for the next few days. Part 2, Harmony Glen. 
Cassandra and Rapunzel leave with Abigail while Eugene discusses logistics of the play with Joaquin. Abigail tells them more about the Great Bog and the blue moss that grows there, which is so full of nutrients that it actually creates an ecosystem unique to Harmony Glen. They stop for lunch, including lavender lemonade. Um, so did Layla Howland not see Queen for a day or not in the mood where it specifically states that Rapunzel doesn't like lemonade? And yet they're like, <laughs> let's have her drink lemonade all the time. It's fine. <laughs> that's when she stopped liking lemonade. Oh, no, that's before. Never mind. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> At the Sunshine Cantina, where Joaquin meets up with them again, where he suggests Cassandra go to the archery field and Rapunzel join the art lessons. Did she not watch Painter's Block? <laughs> Don't take the class! <laughs> there are, like, little moments in this book that always make me go, she doesn't watch the series, does she? You fool! <laughs> oh, don't drink the lemonade! Don't take the art class! <laughs> He takes Abigail off to the leadership pavilion. Rapunzel and Cassandra discuss lunch and how perfect it was, a fact that Cassandra finds odd. The seeming perfection of Harmony Glen is bothering her. After lunch, they go their separate ways for a while. Cassandra goes off to explore the bog. She wants to test its healing ability, so she dips a blistered toe in the water and it heals right up. But while she's there, she spots Joaquin collecting some of the blue moss in a jar. She watches him hidden until he seems to vanish into the bog itself. After she's sure he's gone, she tries to figure out where he went, but can't find a path or passage that he might have taken. Eventually, she gives up looking and heads out to the archery range where she meets Wolf. She spends a satisfying afternoon shooting bullseyes and working on her maps, feeling that maybe perfection isn't so bad after all. Meanwhile, Rapunzel is spending her afternoon working on her self-portrait. She's still not able to get right, and frustrated she heads for the leadership pavilion out of curiosity. There she overhears Abigail and Joaquin discussing something about disrupting the delicate ecosystem of the bog if she's before she's discovered there. She explains that she was appreciating the art there, but she can't help but notice that Abigail seems distraught. Abigail, however, quickly hides it and goes on to tell Rapunzel about the great storm and how Joaquin and the others came forward as leaders and organized peace among the chaos of Harmony Glen. Joaquin suggests that while she and her group are there, Rapunzel helped the art students create self-portraits to put on the exterior wall around Harmony Glen for the Flynn Rider Festival, and she agrees. In the theater, Eugene is rehearsing his lines as Flanagan writer, but he finds the script cheesy and missing many of the characters' more notable actual quotes from the books. Alfonso, the director of the play, insists that he's an expert on Flynn Rider and that none of the lines Eugene is suggesting as replacements were ever written, even though Eugene has the stories in his favorite quotes memorized. Alfonso tells Eugene that if he can find these lines in the Flynn Rider books in the library, he'll be glad to add them to the script. Joining Eugene in the cast are Hookfoot, who plays a falsetto three-winged butterfly with several dance numbers, and Lance, who plays townsperson number four. Cassandra arrives then and volunteers to be in the play, too. She's promptly given the role of a tree. <laughs> Seeing Cass smiling and taking direction leaves Eugene in wonder. He decides that if Cassandra can get into the spirit of things and not be stubborn, then he'll play the role of Flynn Rider exactly as written, until he gets a chance to go to the library and look at the real lines, of course. Doesn't Lance, like, take this role, like, super seriously? Way like, if I remember it right? Yeah, super seriously. Like, it gets to a point where he's like, if you don't address him in character, then he doesn't answer you. And yeah, Lance is so funny. I love him. <laughs> Up at Lookout Point, Rapunzel is teaching Abigail some of her own artistic techniques. Rapunzel tells her about her thoughts on talent, both artistic and otherwise. And now she doesn't believe there's just one thing people are meant to find in themselves. And how, if something speaks to their interests, they should pursue it fully in order to discover its full potential within them. Rapunzel observes how Abigail is looking at her own artwork, and it makes her wonder if she has a sweetheart. Abigail tells her that she did, but not anymore, and she'd rather not talk about it. Just then, the bells ring out for Evensing, the nightly tradition of the whole town joining together in song and dance. 
When one of the guitarists, Carol, takes a break, Rapunzel borrows her guitar and plays one of her original compositions. It is, however, not well received. Everyone stares in confused silence, even when Rapunzel changes tunes. Eugene, of course, cheers her on. Cassandra realizes that there's something just not right in the way people are reacting to Rapunzel's songs, so she runs up and grabs Rapunzel, ushering her offstage. Joaquin approaches them and explains that the people of Harmony Glen prefer comfort of familiar songs, because mastery in the song and dance gives them a sense of accomplishment. Rapunzel acknowledges that, as guests, they'll follow Harmony Glen's cousins. Eugene approaches, just in time for them to unveil the evening's star chart, a way of tallying how well each member of the town contributes to the good of the community by awarding or removing stars next to their names. Wolf explains to them how it works and that it's just easier to keep Harmony Glen off the maps. He hurries away, though, and the conversation begins to make him uncomfortable. This is where I was like, this is weird. (laughs) Uh, I'm smelling a cult. (laughs) The next morning finds Eugene in bright spirits, but Rapunzel's still frustrated with her continued inability to draw her self-portrait to her liking. Just as he's heading out to say good morning to her and offer a possible distraction. Distraction, Eugene? You're going to offer Rapunzel a distraction. I love that. (laughs) And I'm going to distract the princess in my Eugene way. Cassandra stops him to ask what he's up to. He tells her he plans to say good morning to Rapunzel and then head to the library to look up his Flynn Rider quotes, then do vocal exercises to warm up for the play rehearsals, and suggest that Cass join him since she's in the play too. Lance appears in full costume and full character, determined to make townsperson number four as good as he can. He's named the character Thomas and given him the job of pheasant minder, as in he minds the pheasants. Cassandra is being particularly snippy this morning, and Rapunzel puts her art attempt away for now to join them. Cass again tells them that they need to leave, pointing out that this place gives her the creeps. Rapunzel agrees that this chart of stars is unnerving at best. Before they can get much more into it, Daphne and her twin sister Molly and their sister Grace arrive with breakfast muffins, fruit, and milk for everyone. They're also carrying gardening spades in their pockets, which Molly explains Joaquin gives it, gave them as gifts to symbolize the wholesome hard work that makes Harmony Glen so great. The girls ask Rapunzel to join them at the art class that day, and she agrees. Eugene, Cassandra, and Rapunzel head to the library. And then, like, there's this quote from the library scene, which is, like, great Eugene moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, Blondie, when you talk about libraries, your mouth is this cute little smiley thing on one side that's just beyond adorable, I said, falling even more in love with her. Eugene, <laughs> you are the sweet, she replied. It's adorable! It's yeah. so cute. Oh. Gross, I love it. I quoted it a couple times like every now and then I was like oh this quote I want to actually make sure that I read out loud (laughs) there Cassandra pulls out an atlas and quickly realizes there are missing pages there is no Harmony Glen even in the atlas in the town library Eugene also realizes that there are whole chapters missing in the Flynn Rider books and passages blacked out on pages though he's sure there must be a reason this whole thing leaves everyone feeling on edge Rapunzel heads towards lookout point with her easel and paints determined to join the art class there Along the way, she thinks about how Cassandra wants to leave now, but Eugene is determined to see it through to the next few days until the festival. She runs into Wolf, who helps her carry her supplies, and tells him about her troubles with her self-portrait. In turn, he tells her about his sister Stella's artwork. Stella worked mostly in mosaics, and Rapunzel asks to see them, hoping that seeing another artist's work will inspire her. Wolf hesitates, but eventually decides to take Rapunzel to his sister's studio. It's in the woods and off the marked trails, and when they arrive, Rapunzel sees that it's dirty and ramshackle in a way that nothing else in Harmony Glen is. She instantly loves it. Wolf tells her how artists run in his family and how his parents died in the great storm, leaving he and Stella alone to care for each other. It wasn't until Joaquin stepped up and took control, built the walls, and reestablished the town that they felt safe again. But Stella, it turns out, quote-unquote, went dark, which meant that she had all the stars removed from her name on on the star chart and then ran away from Harmony Glen. Uncomfortable with the topic, Wolf asks to stop talking about it, so Rapunzel asks to see some of Stella's mosaics. 
He shows her Stella's self-portrait, and Rapunzel sees that one of the materials used is a greenish-blue metal, which turns out to be the bog moss. When heated to a, high, to a high temperature, the moss becomes the strongest metal presently known while retaining its color. Rapunzel's fascinated both with that and with how Stella had the patience to work in such detail. Wolf imparts to her that Stella always focused on one feature at a time, because if she tried to do the whole thing at once, it would drive her crazy. He reminds her that they need to go to Lookout Point for the art class or they would be missed, but she asks him to meet her back there again in that afternoon, and he hesitates, but eventually agrees. Back at the theater, Lance has decided to be completely in character to the point where he won't talk to Cassandra while she's in costume because trees can't speak, and that spooks Thomas. Rapunzel, <laughs> Rapunzel bursts into the theater asking to talk to Cass, who is more than happy to get out of rehearsals. Rapunzel explains to her what happened with Wolf earlier that day and takes her to Stella's studio, where Rapunzel minorly cuts her finger on the sharp edge of one of the Stella's murals. Wolf is waiting to recount the story of Stella going dark again. He explains in further detail this time, though he's still hesitant to do so. Only two other people have ever gone dark besides Stella, and he admits that he didn't think she'd run away, even though that was what the village council said happened, because they were all each other had, and she promised she would never leave him. He goes on to explain that someone loses stars when they don't work for the good of the community, and that Stella was questioning the need for a star chart and saying that Harmony Glenn was becoming too rigid and oppressive. While Stella didn't lose stars for signing a petition to have the star chart removed, they did become less lenient on her, so that things like being late for work, complaining about her assignment, or asking to be reassigned to a different job did get her stars removed. After her last star was removed, she vanished from Harmony Glen, and Wolf confesses that he doesn't think she ran away. He thinks she was taken. Rapunzel and Cassandra head to lunch at Sunshine Cantina. On the way there, they discuss Wolf and Stella. Cass reiterates that she thinks they should leave. Cassandra takes Rapunzel to the bog to get her cut finger healed. And I am, like, sincerely amazed that after this point, the bog healing is never brought up again. <laughs> like, it's nothing. It's like, okay, so it heals Cassandra's foot, and it heals Rapunzel's finger, and then they never speak of it again. And I'm like, you think They're little... Like you think Little Miss My Hair Used to Heal would not be like, uh-oh, a wall and a healing bog? This is, like, bad news. <laughs> you know? Like... There were there were such there were things about this book I will say that like especially at the beginning there was so much stress put on plants in this book that mm -hmm. I was amazed there was not more like I thought there was gonna be some crazy bog monster mm -hmm. like made of plant of the moss or something like that I'm like oh my gosh there's like or there are hypnotic plants that they're feeding everybody in the cantina or like and it wasn't and I was just like you have a missed opportunity there lady right this was crazy. There's a lot of things that were like brought up, but then like never brought up again. And I was like, wait right? a minute, we should go back to that. But while they're there, the spot Joaquin, they spot Joaquin, Joaquin dressed in camouflage, taking measurements. As of four, he, he, before, he seems to vanish into the bog. Rapunzel advises that they wait for now because they don't know what he's up to and she doesn't want to jump to conclusions. As they resume heading to lunch, Cassandra once again reiterates that she just wants to leave Harmony Glen, but Rapunzel protests that she doesn't want to leave Wolf in the state he's in. I think we're all like, I agree with Cass. I was like, Cass, mm, mm, you're right. Honestly, now I want to like, see how many times I wrote that down because I'm pretty sure I didn't write to every single time she said it. Mm -hmm. I want to now go through the book and be like, how many times exactly did she say she wants to leave? Like, I think when I read it the first time, I was like, yeah, Cass was annoying, but she, it's kind of justified, so it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, she's not wrong. <laughs> Just as Cassandra begrudgingly agrees to stay a little while longer, Abigail approaches. Taking a calculated risk, Cassandra Rapunzel asks her about Stella. Abigail says, says that she ran away and that Harmony Glen isn't for everyone. 
At the cantina, they see Joaquin again, dressed normally. They're served by a man named Edmund. And <laughs> this time when they talk about what they're served, I realize that even the food there is, like, all vegetarian. Mm -hmm. Like, everything in the cantina is vegetarian. I thought it was going to be like, okay, they're starving them of protein, and that's how they're weakening their wills. Like, I was just like, it's all about plants, this place. It's so crazy. <laughs> Soylent Green is people. <laughs> That's why the bog is so nutrient rich. Ah, it's full of capsules. Man, I'd be so much more into that. I'd be like, yes, table's going dark. That actually reminds me of Lost and Found when, like, you get all the skeletons and they like appear to have eyeballs, and everybody's like, why do the skeletons still have eyeballs? And then they turn out to be spiders. <laughs> was just like, wow, these completely stripped bare bones with eyeballs. That makes so much sense. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but I mean, I actually love that that calculated move there because like, it was off enough that a lot of people were just like, wait a minute. I was like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> They're served by a man named Edmund, not the same Edmund, who doesn't really say much. That's pretty freaking hilarious, though, because <laughs> this is such a Eugene-centric book. <laughs> like, staring us in the face all along! <laughs> uh, uh, it's not even spelled the same way. Eddie boy. I know, I know. Rapunzel gets the plan ready to embrace the community and get to their assignments so that they can get the... T I'm sorry, I was rubbing my eye and, like, blurred out all of the words. <laughs> like, what the hell did any of that say? Okay. Rapunzel gets the plan to really embrace the community and to get their assignments so that they can get the townspeople to open up to them more. Eugene enters and starts regaling the children with a Flynn Rider story, and Cassandra, who's struggling with the whole be a tree idea, com comments that he seems to have found his place. Joaquin approaches, and Rapunzel tells him that she and Cass want to be even more a part of Harmony Glen and suggests that she teach an art class. Cassandra offers to teach fighting, but Joaquin protests that they're peaceful in Harmony Glen and have no need for fighting. Rapunzel amends the idea to fitness for fun, and Joaquin agrees. Eugene hey, spots guys, mm -hmm. I just had a thought. Mm -hmm. If Cass is possessed by Zontiri, then it's kind of funny that she is a tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Right>? man. <laughs> I just thought about it. I was like, wait a minute. Cass oh is having God. trouble being a tree. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, honestly, considering that the books are not technically canon, there actually is a whole lot of stuff that, like, points towards Cass's character. It really does. Like, it's just really like, interesting. Maybe the... that's all they told her. <laughs> Maybe. It could be. I mean, honestly, because okay, like, here's, look at, here's like, general stuff, and also Cassandra's going to turn against them. It's just like, <laughs> oh, I can work with that. And go. <laughs> Because I'm going to turn against them, but not until the very, very end of the season. So, like, yeah. you can be subtle, but don't have. <laughs> a stone but, is yeah. involved, but that's it. That's all you need to know. I mean, obviously she's got some sort of information, because she knew that the caravan was actually two things stuck together. Like, yes. I remember reading in this book being like, the two, the two caravans. I was like, what the hell is she talking about? Mm -hmm. And, like, when they actually split, I was like, oh my god, she was right. <laughs> so, it's like... I mean, and then it's like she knew about things like Lampton is acting and mm -hmm. folks dancing. And so it's like 
she did have information, but they like didn't tell her like the plot at all. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she had like costume designs because the book cover illustrator like mm-hmm. drew the correct outfits. So it was just like, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, so yeah, so maybe maybe she was told, and so at least yeah. had that, so she could like feed her Cassandra with that, make her a yeah. tree. <laughs> There's also so many references in the first book that I felt yeah. like were pointing towards Mooncast, and I'm like, what? Hi, what, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> what? For somebody who didn't know what was going on, she sure guessed good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, where was I? Here we go. Let's Sorry. See. No problem. No, no, no. That's good. That's Bring that freaking up. hilarious. Like, Funny. Funny. <laughs> Eugene spots them and shows up, all smiles and sparkling eyes, and Rapunzel asks to speak to him outside. She explains that Cassandra is right and that something suspicious is going on there, but Eugene doesn't think she's right about that. He suggests that if something is amiss, they should all tell Joaquin about it and promptly waves him over. Nice one, Eugene. <laughs> Way Eugene, to go, Eugene. Over the pool. <laughs> he God. drank the lemonade. <laughs> Rapunzel is nervous at first, but she quickly pulls herself together. Hello, Joaquin. How is it possible for a person to imbue only two words with such charm and grace? Leave it to my girl. I love Eugene's narration. He so had much. so many cute thoughts like, about her in this book. It was disgusting. He, I know. Every time he looks at her, he's got some lovey dovey crap coming out of his brain. It's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes. This part of why it was so much more bearable. In the most diplomatic way possible, she mentions Wolf and Stella. Abigail joins them, bringing everyone lavender lemonade. Seriously, the lavender lemonade is mentioned so often that I'm genuinely surprised it wasn't anything. Right? Like, seriously, it's like, it literally was like, drink the drink the Kool-Aid. Like, <laughs> seriously, I thought this was some weird brainwash cult thing going on. I'm just like, holy, I mean, and it was, but the lemonade had nothing to do with it. No. It's just like, I cannot believe, because like, Literally, the only other beverage mentioned in the entire book is milk. And that's that one morning, that first morning that they're there, the girls bring the milk, and then everything else they drink is lavender lemonade. And like, Does this oh. town not have water? Yeah, bog water? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, for somebody who doesn't like lemonade, Rapunzel sure drank a lot of lemonade in this book. Like, it's oh, the lavender. It's fruity. She likes it. Maybe that, like, changes everything. She's like, well, I don't like lemonade, but I do like purple, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like Rapunzel. (laughs) Aww. I mean, mean, like, when Pascal gave her lemonade, she drank it despite not liking it. So, like, (laughs) you hand her lemonade and she'll drink it. She'll just be like, afterwards. (laughs) It's great. It's great. It's great. She's too darn polite. Yep, she's too darn polite to say no thank you. She's like, well, it's either lemonade or dehydration, so... Exactly. (laughs) Eugene can feel a tenseness in the air between Rapunzel and Joaquin as the man asks Eugene if he's met Wolf, and then Rapunzel asks what happened to Stella. Cassandra seems to appear out of nowhere and mentions that they heard Stella went dark. Joaquin reiterates what Abigail told him earlier, that Stella just didn't like it there. He expresses concern that Wolf might also lose his way because these things run in families. Eugene points out that things are only things if they happen to more than one person, and no one else has vanished, right? Joaquin expresses that he wishes wished people like Eugene would stay forever. Cassandra asks why Harmony Glen isn't on any maps, even the atlases in the library, and Joaquin explains that after the Great Storm, when the town was washed away, the maps were amended. It has only been recently that they pulled themselves together, and that as soon as their own emb- their new emblem is complete, which is supposed to be for the festival in a few days, they will come back in style and ask to be put back on the maps. Eugene says that he thinks that's reasonable, and Joaquin takes his leave, heading in the direction of the bog. 
Abigail quietly admits that her sweetheart also left, and then she takes her leave as well. Rapunzel and Cassandra chase Abigail and beg to talk more about it privately, but Abigail insists that she can't and requests that they quit asking, so they leave her be in favor of getting to know the other villagers better. Cassandra decides to prep for her fitness for fun class, and Rapunzel decides to try her self-portrait again, but her art still looks off and her frustration continues. She spends the early evening with Pascal, Max, and Fidella, then heads to the even sing with Cassandra and Eugene. Despite the fact that Cassandra mentions them spending the even scene looking deeper, Eugene is trying to steer their thoughts away by pointing out the beauty of Harmony Glen and how some things are just beautiful. You know, they're not sinister, they're just, some beautiful things are just beautiful, is what he's, mm. you know, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, you know, it's <laughs> that whole same reiteration. He even mentions that he appreciates Cassandra's determination and foibles, no buts, you know, like, She's like, but what? But he's like, no, that's just, I appreciate it. <laughs> Seeing Lance and Hookfoot ahead, he hurries to join them so they can run lines for the play, leaving Cassandra baffled at the compliment. Rapunzel and Cass spot Abigail, who, polite, who is polite but distant, and excuses herself at once. And when they find Wolf, he claims that he was caught up in the discussion of art and he didn't mean what he said. The first dance of Evensing begins, and Rapunzel suggests they actually try to learn it tonight. Abigail points out that that's what Eugene has done and how he's in perfect harmony with Harmony Glenn. Puzzle thinks about how much of that worries her. <laughs> After dancing, as they wait for the chart of stars to be unfurled, Cassandra and Rapunzel discuss potential reasons for the stars, such as how Joaquin is using them to emotionally control people. When the chart is unfurled, they see at once that Wolf has lost two stars by his name and is now down to one. Joaquin, he only had three stars? What are you up <laughs> to, Wolf? My God. <laughs> I mean, they make it sound like people have like 20 stars, you know? Mm -hmm. and like He's got three. <laughs> you got three. Now you got one, boy. <laughs> Joaquin points out that everyone, that he's moved Eugene's name from the visitor's roster to the honorary citizens because of his work with the play and his dedication to the spirit and community of Harmony Glen. He goes on to commend Eugene for taking up the role of Flynn Rider in the play while he, Joaquin, prepares for the future of Harmony Glen. He also reminds everyone that having few stars only means a person need rededicate themselves to the community in order to earn them back. Cassandra suggests that she and Rapunzel attend each other's classes so that while one teaches, the other can gather intelligence. Rapunzel promises to speak to Eugene since she believes he, believes he thinks he's just doing what's best for the people of Harmony Glen. On the way back to the caravan that night, Cassandra confronts Eugene harshly about being oblivious to the things that go going on there, and Eugene gets defensive. I mean, understandably so. Oblivious is this word that she likes to throw around, and, mm -hmm. and I mean, sometimes she's right. Like, like you said, she's got a point in this book. <laughs> yeah. She's like, hey, babe, you're being an idiot. And he's like, ah, what? <laughs> Me? <laughs> an idiot? Never! How dare you! <laughs> Eugene gets offensive, but lets her know that he's on his own journey here, and he's choosing to appreciate what he's got around him, and suggests she do the same. For Rapunzel's sake, Cassandra lets it go for now. At Fitness for Fun the next day, Rapunzel drums up enthusiasm from the students as Cassandra finishes setting up the course. Rapunzel is concerned because it looks too difficult, but Cass admits that part of her plan is to wear their participants down physically, so that they'd be more likely to come forward with information. Like, what the hell, Cassandra? <laughs> that she's getting frustrated but like no i'm gonna break them <laughs> she's man i feel you that's what my classes are like Cass. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't breathe then you can't protest exactly <laughs> just there about to start joaquin shows up he makes it clear that this isn't a competition and that no one can win and when cassandra and rapunzel question that he explains that no one can win in harmony glen because if people can win then people can lose and they like to keep everything even because it maintains the harmony 
He offers to lead the class in stretches, which gives Rapunzel and Cassandra the opportunity to confer for a moment. They talk about how Joaquin creates winners and losers every night with a chart of stars, but that since he decides the rank, he's in complete control. Cassandra is getting really worked up and angry about it, but Rapunzel points out that they can't just tell the townspeople outright because they won't believe it. She suggests that Cass go to play rehearsal instead of teach the class, and Rapunzel will do that for her. Cassandra leaves for the theater. At the theater, Eugene is being a little too particular about how the scene should go. He feels that a scene where he swings from a rope over the audience is, quote, too stale, and everyone else points it out to him that action is the very essence of adventure. Eugene agrees that it doesn't feel earned, and Cass blurts out that that's because nothing in Harmony Glen is earned. She says she's getting out of there and that she doesn't want to be a tree anymore. Alfonso suggests that she have some lavender lemonade and lie down. Like, there it is. I don't want to be a tree. Have some (laughs) lavender lemonade. (laughs) And she says she doesn't want to relax or lie down. And then her quote, which is actually pretty impactful, especially considering the end of the se- of season two, this play has no life in it because it has no conflict, and there's no conflict because the people here have forgotten what conflict is, and no one wants to remind them. Conflict is how characters learn and grow and think and change. So, like, we need this conflict in season two, guys. We need it. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. This is how this is how people. This is how how character progression works. <laughs> She begins stripping out of her tree costume, and Alfonso offers to give her a role as a townsperson instead, but by now she's irate. She talks about how everyone in Harmony Glen is a mindless follower and how no one but the village council can get ahead. Eugene takes her aside to talk quietly, since she was upsetting everyone in the theater, and tells her, you know what, it occurs to me that, like, we learned all these other, like, people's names, but the only actors in the play are Eugene, Lance, and Hookfoot, as far as we can tell. Like, (laughs) they don't talk about any of the other characters or actors or anything like that. No, not even, like, random... I don't know. That's just... that's. (laughs) It's like, there were some places that had, like, too much detail and some places that had not enough detail. It's just like, ah, so we know, like, the name of every single art student, but we don't know the name of a single other actor in the play. We don't know the plot of the play, where the tree comes in. (laughs) (laughs) he tells her that if she's so miserable there maybe she ought to go ahead to Vardaros and that they meet her there in a few days Cassandra accuses Eugene of not looking out for Rapunzel she says you drunk too much lavender lemonade if you still think this place is safe because you know <laughs> Eugene has drunk the lavender lemonade so it says that she has to get out of here and then storms out Lance goes after her to try to talk some sense into her and after that display of Cassandra's Eugene agrees to leave the, to leave the scene as is which is I mean it's and then, like, nothing ever comes of Lance talking to Cass. Nope. Like, we don't see that. He, like, goes after her, and then we never hear anything again. <laughs> I mean, later on, he mentions, yeah, she just said she didn't like you here or something like that. <laughs> and but then, like, that's it, you know? It's like, we could have figured that out through exposition and not through Lance saying, I'll go after her. <laughs> nah. Meanwhile, Rapunzel finishes up the Fitness for Fun class and segues seamlessly into her art class. Joaquin tells her that what he wants her to do is to have everyone paint a self-portrait based on a specific illustration of Flynn Rider with the same charming grin. From the shoulders up, facing front with a large Flynn Rider-esque smile, just like he has on the cover of the Tales of Flynn Rider. He also wants them on a background of a bright blue, cloudless sky, and that they should be painted directly on the wall. He leaves for the leadership pavilion, and Rapunzel sets to work teaching the class. She starts by showing them the portrait she's been trying to work on, and notes how different everyone in her party is now that they've had... Let me try this sentence again. 
and notes how different everyone in her party is now than they were a few days ago when she painted it. She doesn't like the uniformity of the portraits she's been instructed to oversee and is feeling down when the evening, even thing comes around. Since Cassandra never arrived for either fitness or art, Rapunzel is eager to find her, but Abigail approaches her and tells Rapunzel that Cassandra had a rough, af rough afternoon and stormed out of the rehearsal with some disturbing words. Rapunzel looked for her in the caravan at the cantina and Stella's studio, but can't find her anywhere. When she hears the bell for the first song, she hurries to the wall, distraught, hoping Cassandra is there, but she's not. Eugene tells her that she left for Vardero's early, much to Rapunzel's distress. She insists that Cassandra would never leave her, and that Eugene pointed out that this isn't a permanent thing. It's only for a few days. I mean, he, he, he's got a point. Like, <laughs> Rapunzel is, like, freaking out, and while Rapunzel is right, Eugene does have a point. While he lands in Hookfoot Dance, Rapunzel reflects how this place is really getting to Eugene if he doesn't pause to think about something might be wrong. She joins the dance so that people won't think something is wrong with her and finds Wolf to be her dance partner. She tells them about Cassandra leaving and that she was last seen heading towards Stella's studio. With a flash of panic, he tells her softly to go back to the studio and to look for Ramona. Part 3, The Runaways Return. Cassandra awakens to find herself on the ground, blindfolded and bound with a terrible headache. It's clear she's not in Harmony Glen anymore. She gets free of her bonds and immediately spots Owl in a tree nearby. She thinks about the night before and how she'd gone to Stella's studio to gather more clues, but she was caught off guard, blindfolded and bound, and marched for hours, kicking and screaming until she was led to a boat where she fell asleep and awoke in this new place. However, she was uninjured. Someone approaches and Cassandra goes on high alert, but the woman who approaches her assures her that she's just there to help. She introduces herself as Stella. Rapunzel has spent the night looking for Cassandra to no avail. She attempted to get some sleep but couldn't, so she got up to draw. Recalling the night before, she had gone to the library after evening to look for Ramona. She didn't know what she was looking for, an author, a title, or what, and she doesn't find anything. Now, by the pre-dawn light of the fire she's built, Rapunzel is working on her portrait again. But this time she remembers Stella's mosaic and the advice that Wolf had given her, one detail at a time. Starting with her feet, strong and capable in how she feels the earth, with so much character in every little scratch and scar, Rapunzel begins to draw, and at last she manages to produce a portrait she's proud of, working one feature at a time. Stella takes Cassandra to meet the other quote-unquote runaways. There's Gray, Abigail's fiancé, and Ramona, the author's great-great-granddaughter. They were each banished for speaking out against Joaquin and his plan for Harmony Glen, and because they knew things that had potential to spoil his plan. Ramona knows where the author hid his original manuscripts for the Flanagan writer books, and Joaquin doesn't want his message of freedom, equality, and tolerance to get out. Gray suggested that the village council change every few years so that new people with new ideas were brought in. When he went to speak to Joaquin privately about it, he discovered him working on secret plans to harvest and sell the blue moss. The plans are hidden in a secret room under the stairs in the leadership pavilion. Cassandra writes through a puzzle to let her know that she is safe and that she needs to get a hold of these plans of Joaquin's. That morning, Eugene is preparing for the celebration brunch the council is throwing in his honor. He's confused and frustrated as to why Rapunzel can't, just can't seem to see that Cass just wasn't happy in Harmony Glen and left her, her own free will. She was the smartest person I knew, and she always saw the best in everyone. Maybe she saw the best in Cass to the point that she missed the rest of her. It's like, aww, the smartest person he knows. That's so mm -hmm. cute. Even when he's frustrated, he's thinking happy thoughts. Sort of. <laughs> this is actually about to get not happy. It's the best when he part of outside, the book. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> when he steps when he steps outside to greet Rapunzel, he notices how tired she looks. She shows him her art, so pleased that her talent is back, and he expresses concern that she's been up all night and guesses that she's not coming to the brunch, but she assures him that she is. He's happy to hear it until she stresses that Cass is missing. He points out that she chose to leave early, but Rapunzel is distracted by Owl arriving with Cassandra's note. 
She reads it out loud, then explains excitedly that Ramona is the person Wolf told her to look for. Eugene recalled that Ramona and the Seven Dragons is one of the stories missing from the library. After finishing the letter and getting Cass's request to find the plans, Rapunzel asks Eugene if he believes her now, but he's hesitant to believe anything bad about Harmony Glenn and ends up telling her that he thinks Cassandra has gotten really negative since leaving Corona and that her perception might be skewed. Rapunzel argues that it's bigger than us, which makes Eugene feel like nothing is about us these days. Rapunzel explains that she didn't mean it the way that he thought he she did, and reminds him that she's tired. He says that she doesn't he doesn't want to jump to conclusions, and she counters that she wants to protect the people of Harmony Glen whose lives are in danger. He just can't see her point because everyone here is happy, and how can happy people be in danger? He tries, he really tries to see her point of view, but he just isn't able to, and he says that they aren't seeing eye to eye like they've always done in the past. Harmony Glenn has been so good to him, and he feels like Rapunzel and Cassandra are against a place that's brought him such joy and purpose. He promises to keep listening to her side, but tells her that he can't just give up, and he would love for Rapunzel to be there beside him, inspiring the people of Harmony Glenn the way she inspires the people of Corona. She says that she'll be an inspiration, but not the kind Joaquin is expecting. Eugene expresses hesitation at, at inspiring, inciting is what I meant. He expresses hesitation at inciting revolution, since that's just not a very gracious way to repay their hosts. She says that she's not planning a revolt, she just wants to gather information, and she ducks inside the caravan to get ready for the brunch. When she emerges again, Eugene expresses that he doesn't feel that they're talking to each other so much as past each other. She says she's being honest, but she feels like he's not listening, and he says he feels like she's the one not listening. Joaquin is a good leader, and he keeps the peace in Harmony Glen, but Cassandra has gotten to Rapunzel, and that's the problem. Upset by this, Rapunzel says that the problem is that Harmony Glen has gotten to Eugene. He tells her that it's filled him with hope and purpose, and she says that they're going to have to agree to disagree then. Then she says that maybe they just need some space. Honestly... First time I read this book, I cried so hard at this argument. Uh, this me like, too. <laughs> and I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. This was like the first real new dream argument we've ever seen in anything remotely close to canon, even though the books aren't canon. And we had just been saying like, man, I want them to have a fight. And they're like, no, I take it back. Do not fight. I read this the night it got released, like at midnight. I read the whole stupid book. And nobody else did. And I was like, oh my god, they're fighting. But I couldn't tell anybody that. Oh. That's good for, like, reading ahead of everybody else, woman. Oh my god. <laughs> I was a mess. I was like, oh my god, is this, is this what, I, are they saying what I think they're saying? I know, right? <laughs> so Feeling good. like he's been struck by an arrow, Eugene agrees. And he supposes she's not coming to the brunch then, but she says she's coming and he should get a head start. Eugene leaves feeling terrible and wondering if Cassandra was right. Rapunzel lets Eugene go on ahead, though she feels horrible about it. She can't help but wonder if Eugene is right. After all, he is the streetwise one who's grown up out in the world and on the road. And then she remembers a Flanagan writer quote Eugene told her. There's no such thing as flawlessness, and the desire for it belies, the, it belies an emptiness I hope you never know. Daphne and Molly approach her, giving her flowers and hugging her and telling her they love her. She hugs them back, missing Cassandra, the only sister she's ever known. Joaquin agrees... Joaquin greets her as she enters the leadership pavilion and confirms that Cassandra is gone. As he leads her to her seat, she tries to steadily look for the door to the room under the stairs, but Joaquin notices her looking around and questions it. She tells him she's just taking in the sights of all the smiling faces, but being here is making her nervous. When Eugene sits beside her, she smiles at him, and he smiles back, and she knows that everything's going to be okay with them. Joaquin begins... I know, right? Joaquin begins his speech thanking Eugene for the role he's taken upon himself, not just in the play, but in Harmony Glen as a whole. 
Thanking him, Eugene says that he's never felt more at home than he has here, which upsets Rapunzel because she wonders if he likes it better here than in Corona. But he rests a hand on her shoulder and goes on to explain that he means that Harmony Glenn has been so welcoming to them all that it's hard not to feel at home. He then quotes Flynn Rider again, Great adventure, Greet adventure with your whole self, the body, the mind, and spirit. It's never too late to remember who you really are, and there's no moment better than right now. This tells Rapunzel <laughs> that... I, right? This tells oh, Rapunzel... God! <laughs> Are you okay, Ellie? No, I'm never okay when it comes to Eugene. <laughs> Anything that makes you think of the Dark Prince. <laughs> yeah, I know. I As I was quality checking all of our Dark Prince Eugene pins, everyone I'd get to, I'd be like, <laughs> I just can't believe it's real. They all come with your own yeah. personal tears. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 100% cried on by Ellie. <laughs> <laughs> this tells Rapunzel that he's re reaching out to her as much as she is to him. He explains that, that it's the original version of the quote that Joaquin has made the motto of Harmony Glen, only the now is real. Rapunzel realizes that Eugene is challenging Joaquin in a subtle Eugene-esque way. He goes on to suggest that everyone head outside so he can recount one of the stories that's missing from the library, deliberately buying Rapunzel a little time to search the hidden room. She spots the entrance as everyone is filtering out, and as soon as she's alone in the pavilion, she has a right to it. She finds a plan that gets to reading, knowing she's short on time. Rapunzel writes what Rapunzel writes within the plan, plans to Cassandra, who's been busy convincing Stella Gray and Ramona to return with her to Harmony Glen and fight back. Until Rapunzel's note arrives, all they know is that whatever Joaquin's up to, he's going to implement it during the Flynn Rider Festival. Joaquin plans to close Harmony Glen's borders for good, and only he will be allowed to come and go as he pleases. He intends to remove and sell all the moss, which will throw Harmony Glen's ecosystem into chaos. Rapunzel decides that that day's art lesson, instead of finishing the portraits Joaquin wants, she's going to get everyone to focus on one feature and paint what they like best about themselves and what they think makes them unique. She explains to this class that artists need to be free and encourages them to get comfortable for this class. Even if it means loosening tight clothing or undoing hairstyles. She shows them all the difference between the portraits she's been working on and how the earlier version might be technically good, but the one where she focused on one feature at a time really feels like her. She explains why she chose her feet and not her hair, and encourages them each to pick a part that tells a story about them. Many of the students express parts of themselves that tell their story, and before long, each and every student is participating in the new project. All except Wolf, who packs up his supplies and leaves. Rapunzel notes with joy as the day progresses that she's lit a spark in the students. That all but that's that's all but squelched when Joaquin shows up and questions their work, noting that it's not what he told her he wants. A current of fear runs through the students, and Joaquin asks to speak to Rapunzel privately. She obliges him, and he tries to explain that she's just not doing things the way Harmony Glenn sees fit. She asks him if he knows where Cassandra is, and he says she left her on her own free will. He stresses that in Harmony Glenn there are no laws, and that everyone works for the greater good. He explains to the class that, as well-meaning as she was, Rapunzel has set them on a path to unhappiness, and so by following her example instead of going down the path they all know is best for Harmony Glenn, they have made it so that he must punish them by removing two stars from everyone who participated in the exercise. This is like... Like, Rapunzel should be on, like, high Gothel alert at this point. Yeah, I right. swear to <laughs> God, you know? 
Like, the fact that she never once... I mean, like, that one comic with the Phoenix expressed better her feelings about mm-hmm. being captured and used and manipulated than anything else. Mm-hmm. Rapunzel protests that it's her fault, but he says he can't think to punish royalty. Quickly strategizing, Rapunzel apologizes for leading everyone down the path and collects their artwork from the day, promising that tomorrow they'll work on Joaquin's project instead. Owl arrives with a note from Cassandra telling Rapunzel that she must lead the people in rising up against Joaquin, and she apologizes for her trying to control so much of the trip, then expresses her faith in Rapunzel. Despondent and fearful, the art students beg Rapunzel not to say anything more to Joaquin about what happened, in case he makes it worse and takes away more stars. After the students leave for the day, Rapunzel lays out all the portraits she gathered from them. She knows that awakening their inner artist was not a mistake. She writes a note to each of her students requesting that they meet her at the border wall with all of the paint that they can find. That night at evening, Rapunzel tells Eugene that she knows for a fact Joaquin is up to no good and requests that he trust her. She passes out notes to her students, including Wolf, and notes that Owl is back, giving her the opportunity to give her last note to Cassandra. Owl delivers the letter to Cassandra, who tells the runaways what the plan is. Rapunzel is having the art students gather at the wall at dawn and paint their portraits the way they see themselves instead of the way Joaquin tells them to, showing that they won't follow orders just because they're orders. The group makes their way to the boat that was left behind. Stella recognizes it as one of Wolf's boats. Working as a team, the four make their way towards Harmony Glen via the river. Rapunzel gets up before dawn to put her plan into action. Before she goes, she wakes Eugene and asks him to join her, to stand by her side. He tells her that he has to think about it. She tells him that he has to think fast and that he's going to have to choose sides. And is hurt by his hesitation, she heads to the wall. She meets her students there and everyone's brought paint as requested. And they'd also brought their friends and families. Rapunzel scans the crowd for Wolf and keeps hoping Eugene will show, but neither are there. Rapunzel notes that there's already a lock on the northern gate and that Joaquin is planning and that Joaquin's plan was already being put into action as well. She joins the students in painting the portraits on the wall and chooses to paint not just herself, but Eugene as well. While she's in the middle of working, Eugene arrives at last and she tells him how much he means to her and how valuable and needed he is. He responds that she sees the best in him, in him and calls her his home. And I cried more. <laughs> it's so cute! <laughs> like, freaking, yes, that was like exactly the right thing to say right there. It was perfect. So good. I love it. He tells her that Joaquin is going to have the children harvest the moss with the shovels he, quote, gifted them, and then picks up a brush and joins the painting. Cassandra and the others reach Harmony Glen, and they can hear Joaquin confronting Rapunzel on the other side of the wall. Rapunzel points out to Joaquin that if he reduces everyone involved to a zero-star status and half the people of Harmony Glen, then that's half the people of Harmony Glen. Cassandra and the runaways reveal themselves at the top of the wall. They climb over and rejoin their families. Joaquin confronts them. Eugene realizes that she was right all along, but he also acknowledges that the good in he thought Harmony Glen was real too, and the people there and how they cared for and took care of one another. The runaways tell all about how they were forced out of Harmony Glen and how the council has now locked the gates and everyone inside. Gray and Abigail reconcile. Abigail admits that she was bullied into action and that Joaquin has closed their borders and is going to see the moss, sell, sell the moss off to a thief. Marina speaks Martina. Dang, I can't read the night. Martina speaks up next, admitting that she was bullied under the threat of her family's banishment and she revealed what she knew. And then Wolf steps forward and confesses to being the one who transported the runaways out of Harmony Glen. He says he was afraid Joaquin would hurt Stella if he wasn't in control of her exit. He deliberately made sure that they were all dropped off near each other so that they could find one another and not be alone. With the citizens of Harmony Glen's eyes open, Rapunzel suggests Eugene, Eugene tell the tale of Ramona and the Seven Dragons, but not until she tells him that no imaginary hero could ever compare to him and kisses him. 
New dream Yay. goodness. Everybody's making up with everybody else, and it's wonderful. Oh. Uh, this book, it was a roller coaster, it man. It was good. <laughs> and it's not done yet. Nope. The townspeople rip down the Charter Stars and tear it to pieces, while Keen stands idly by and lets it happen without protest. Cassandra wants to take him to down right then, but Rapunzel advises her that it's not their job to decide his fate, that it's up to the people of Harmony Glen, who he's oppressed. Cassandra realizes the truth of this and agrees with her. She climbs up the wall to get a better view of Joaquin, just in time to see him casually strolling away while everyone is distracted with the Eugene story. Grey Wolf and Stella tackle him and take him into custody. As he protests that the town will fall into chaos without him, Ramona says that they'll start a new government, and everyone agrees. They decide to banish Joaquin and to knock down the gates for good, letting travelers and citizens come and go as they please. Rapunzel climbs up to the wall with Daphne, Molly, and Grace. You know, the sisters, remember? Mm -hmm. And the girls use their spades to break the lock. But just as they're about to tear the gate down, a voice calls from the other side. It turns out to be Pearly. You remember her from the beginning of the book? She was Lance's exy friend who called him Fancy Lancy? Yeah. <laughs> As it happens, she hasn't gone as straight as she claimed. She's the thief who made the deal with Joaquin for the moss. Rapunzel grapples her with her hair and deposits her on Fidel's back just as she and Maximus come charging out with Joaquin tied up on Max. Pearly is to be banished with Joaquin for her actions. Once the horses return, Rapunzel and her group will get back on the road. But after Joaquin and Pearly are taken care of, everyone heads to the theater for the real Flynn Rider play, and Rapunzel and Eugene walk hand in hand, ignoring the signs for the path, and strolls through the fields of lavender. <laughs> the end. Okay. Oh, goodness. So, yes. Like it's... I said, this one was significantly easier for me to get all the way through reading it. I mean, and it really, it took me so long because the other one, I had already written the summary, like, when the book was new. This one, I wrote the summary a year later. <laughs> I had to do it, like, at downtime at work and, and, you know, when I got home from work, if I wasn't too tired to, like, sit there and work on the summary. Man. So, yeah, sorry this took so long, guys. But, yeah, it's finally out. Hopefully the next Tangled Talk will not take a month to get to you. Uh... But happy anniversary to us, guys. Yes. So exciting. Ooh. I can't believe it's been a year. I know. Like, we, it's very cool that we, like, actually kept this project going for a full year, even if we take stupid long breaks sometimes. But yeah, That's okay. It's okay. If the show can do it, we can do it, too. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, ours, our hiatus was shorter than theirs. So. Yes. So, boom. <laughs> boom, indeed. Aha. <laughs> Aha. Uh -huh. uh -huh. So, thanks for joining us, guys. Um... We will figure out what we're doing next time as we, as we go along this this break. Yay. <laughs> Good old hiatus that we don't know how long it will take. Huzzah. Um, so, yeah, we thanks for listening, and we will talk to you guys next time. And thanks for joining us. Bye. 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 Bye.